0: University Baptist Church is a faith community striving to think critically, live creatively, and love continually in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. We gather on Sunday mornings at 5775 Highland Road between Lee Drive and Kenilworth Parkway. Visit ubc-br.org or at UBCBR on Facebook for more information. We've been talking these last few weeks about signs in the book of John, just to catch you up on where that is, um, as the different staff members are, let me make sure I'm on here, I'm on, uh, you'll catch it in a second, uh, the And um, I'll get back here so that everybody can hear me. Uh, We're rotating around talking about signs in the book of John. And not just signs like we see on the side of the road. We talk about those too. We're talking about the miracles that John set aside specifically in his gospel um, that were signs that Jesus used to show the world who he is and who God is. And we have talked about literal signs, of course, and and we talked a few times, both Tanya and I have talked about how sometimes you can drive by a sign so many times that you start uh, to not pay attention to it, to ignore it. Um, When we've we've been here in Baton Rouge now for a little more than a year and I cannot count the number of times that I've driven up and down uh, Highland Road the first few times it was magical I still remember that first day that we came into the city for the first time The, the the Google Maps brought us down Highland Road and the Trees hanging over and the Spanish Moss the beautiful houses on either side. It really is a magical view But then it becomes mundane, just like everything does when you drive by the same things every day. You start to not pay attention to them and not notice them. One of the things that we didn't pay attention to, really never even noticed for months, was the fact that there's a dog uh, adoption house just on the right-hand side as you're going away from the church. uh, Friends of the Animals Dog Adoption House. We drove by that sign for months, never even paid attention to it. I didn't even realize there was anything on that side of the road. I thought it was just trees. Until the time came when we were looking to adopt a dog, and we spent hours there getting to know different dogs. Finally, found the one that's right for our family. And if you've met Obi, you know how excited he is to see the whole world and to um, to be a part of our family. But what I'm saying is that place didn't have any significance for me at all for any of us until we spent time there, and suddenly that sign took on a new meaning. Now, when I drive by there, it's like a whole new world has opened up, a new world where we. Found a dog and a new member of our family, and when we drive by places, sometimes we see things like this, we see signs and see things in a new way, and it 's like a whole new world has opened up and it 's that way with the scriptures too. There are many stories in the Bible that i 'm sure all of you have heard before, and yet uh, we drive by them it 's kind of like we listen to them, we maybe read them in our devotion time or whatever, but we 're trying to just driving on by, trying to get to the main point, trying to get to the idea, and we don 't pay attention to the details, and I think this story that we'll hear this morning is one of those. <coughs> There's some detail that we miss, something that changes the way we see the story, and as I was looking at this story this week, I expected how it would go. I knew that I'd chosen this. I went through a few weeks ago as we were plotting out the sermons, and I thought, oh, I know how this story is going to go. I know how this sermon's going to be, and then I started reading it again, and it was very different than I remembered. If there's a sign that would represent uh, what our sermon today might be, and what this sign represents for us, it is—excuse <coughs> me—it is the sign "caution: enter at your own risk." Because some of the signs that Jesus gives us, they're not all uh, just just you know roses and happy things. There's also some signs that are challenging to the people in the story and challenging to us as we read them. And this is one of those stories because Jesus challenges us and calls us into a place that is not very comfortable, and was not comfortable for the people at his time. When I was setting things up for this a while back, I thought, this is going to be easy. Jesus, this is the story of the man who was healed by the pool of Bethesda, and I thought, you know, Jesus comes to the man, he begs to be healed, Jesus heals the man, everybody's happy, end of story, end of sermon, Jesus wants us to be happy and whole, and then when I reread it, and like that sign on Highland Road, I found a story that was very different from what I remembered. So let's read together what really happened in this story, and let's see if you and I remember the story the same way. We're looking at John chapter 5, if you want to open your Bibles there. In fact, if you have a Bible with you or if you have an app, I encourage you to open it up and read along. Uh, I'm going to be using the New Living Translation because it's readable and very story-like, and in this case it's very accurate to what's being said in the text. So John chapter 5, we're going to be reading verses 1 through 18. Afterward, Jesus returned to Jerusalem for one of the Jewish holy days. Inside the city, near the Sheep Gate, was the pool of Bethesda with five covered porches. Crowds of sick people, uh, blind, lame, or paralyzed, lay on the porches. One of the men lying there had been sick for 38 years. When Jesus saw him and knew he had been ill for a long time, he asked him, Would you like to get well? I can't, sir, the sick man said, for I have no one to put me into the pool when the water bubbles up. But the man didn't know, for Jesus had disappeared into the crowd. But afterward, Jesus found him in the temple and told him, Now you are well, so stop sinning or something even worse may happen to you. Then the man went and told the Jewish leaders that it was Jesus who had healed him. So the Jewish leaders began harassing Jesus for breaking the Sabbath rules. Jesus replied, My father is always working and so am I. So the Jewish leaders tried all the harder to find a way to kill him. Father, as we look into this story this morning and see the sign that Jesus gave to the world and gave to us, we pray that we would be challenged and confronted to see the world in a different way. In Jesus' name, amen. Did you remember the details of that story? Did you remember some of those things there? It's one of those stories where uh, when I was in seminary, I, I started to look at the scriptures in a different way and started to ask, why? Why are things this way? Why is it different? And there's some really big why questions in this story. Let's go back to the beginning and just kind of unpack what we see, what's happening. Verse 1, afterward Jesus returned to Jerusalem for one of the Jewish holy days. In John's gospel, this story comes right after the story that Eric told us last week where the official son came from another part of Israel and found Jesus, asked Jesus to heal his son, and Jesus did it. From a distance. Um, That's how Eric uh, preached last week. He used that story. And this takes place immediately after that. There are three important feasts on the Jewish calendar, uh, and this is one of them there's Pentecost, there's the Feast of Booths. Uh, And then there's the Feast of Passover. And during these major feasts, every Jewish male that lived within 20 miles of Jerusalem, within a 20-mile radius of Jerusalem, was required to come into the city to celebrate and to go to the temple and to go through the rituals. So the city, which was already kind of crowded, at this time was packed full of people. The streets were full. There were people bringing sacrifices to the temple. So there were animals, there was noise, there were markets, all kinds of things going on. Look to see if you can tell what's strange about these next few verses. I'm starting in verse 2. Inside the city near the Sheep Gate was the pool of Bethesda with five covered porches. Crowds of sick people, blind, lame, or paralyzed, lay on the porches. One of the men lying there had been sick for 38 years. Did you catch something was missing there? Anybody know what it was? If you were looking in your Bibles, you might have noticed that you skipped straight from verse 3 to verse 5. Verse 4 is missing. Check it out. Look in your Bible. Some of them might actually have that in there. Some of them have it in a footnote. Um, the reason that it's missing is because in, it, it, it was in the scriptures for years. It was included in Bibles, but really in the last 100, 150 years we've been finding older and more reliable manuscripts, and we see that this verse was not a part of those manuscripts, of the very earliest ones. So the idea, or the thought is, is that somebody added this after John wrote the gospel to help clarify things. But what the verse Says, is that there was a superstition or a belief at the time that these pools uh, sometimes the water would bubble up or be disturbed. And the superstition was that an angel had stirred the water, and that the first person into the water would be cured of whatever disease they had or whatever illness they were carrying. So, this became a place where people came for healing. Now, obviously, this didn't really work. Every time the water bubbled up, there was not a healing because if there was, people would still be going to this place today. But it was a place where people came and uh, if you see the the images that we have of the pool of Bethesda um, this is the actual site today you can see what it looks like uh, or at least where they've excavated but of course it was as many feet down below the ground uh, but there were two pools side by side there and there was a portico around it a porch uh, where people would stand and they would come to be by the pool but also doctors physicians of that time would come to treat people who had illnesses so you could come to this place to see a doctor if you had a problem with your eye if you had something going on with your skin and that physician would tell you what to do now it was not medicine like we know it today they didn't carry pills and herbs around with them and say you need to take this it was more like "Mm, maybe you need to go wash in the Jordan River or maybe you need to um, take some of this particular um, herb and rub it on your skin if you're having a problem there but the point is is that this was a place of healing and the most desperate people would be the ones who would wait by the water and wait for the water to be disturbed One of the men lying there, John says, had been sick for 38 years, and when Jesus saw him and knew he had been ill for a long time, he asked him, would you like to get well? What a strange question to ask. Now, like I've said before, I grew up hearing these gospel stories, and whenever I read them, even if I've heard them for a thousand times, I start asking, why? Why is it this way? And these questions popped up in this story as I read it, preparing for this week. For instance, Jesus is a healer. He comes into this place. There's dozens of people around these pools who need healing. So to me, this seems like a great PR opportunity for Jesus. He can come out here and he can start healing people, Oprah style, you know. You are healed and you're healed and you're healed and you're healed. You know, you can walk now and you're not blind anymore. But Jesus doesn't do that. He comes in and finds a single person. And of all these people who needed healing, why would Jesus come to this man, this person, in particular, and why ask this question? Do you want to be well? Do you even want to be healed? Let's focus on this man for a minute. We don't know very much about him at all, only that he had been sick for 38 years and in a way that made him it hard for him to move. Probably his legs were paralyzed or something that made it difficult for him to get around. Now, can you imagine that? 38 years living with some kind of illness like this. This pool was a place for people to come who were desperate, who needed healing and couldn't find healing any other way, but this man was probably way past desperation, more to resignation. He had lived with this for so many years now that he didn't even believe anymore that he could be well so imagine the situation when jesus comes in the city is crowded he comes into the pool and all of a sudden these people that are standing around the pool there's a stir because there's bubbles coming up there's an underground spring under these pools that cause the bubbles to come up and suddenly everybody's moving towards the water and the people who have uh, the uh, the power of their be able to l- use their legs might even jump in the pool to see if they can be the first one in and then off to the side everybody else is moving toward the water and off to the side there's this one man who's just laying there he's not even watching probably not even paying attention to what's going on he's seen it so many times he's seen so many people get healed maybe once he was even the first one in the water but it didn't work for him and so he's just there just hanging out this is the man Jesus comes to after 38 years he was living in despair and hopelessness and resignation What about him, you would ask? Why does this guy not move? Does he even care? Does he even want to be healed anymore? And that's why Jesus goes to him, I think, because the man had been coming to this place for almost 40 years. He had seen every doctor, had tried every strange cure, every potion, every ancient medicine. This is the man that Jesus comes to, the one who had probably prayed for years that God would heal him, who thought that maybe if he said just the right prayer, or prayed it in just the right way, or maybe made just the right sacrifice in the temple, that everything would be better. But that was years ago. And I would imagine that after so many years, he might have even stopped praying altogether. Maybe he didn't believe in God anymore, or maybe he thought God had forgotten him, or maybe even worse, he believed that God wanted him to be this way. I can imagine this man. Again, John doesn't tell us these details, but we can use our holy imagination to see what he might be like. This man would tell himself, I'm useless. I'm hopeless. God doesn't even want me to be well. I have no use to society. All I can do is to sit here and take up space and take up air. That's the story he had created for himself over years, and his circumstances certainly seem to confirm this story for him. And when you feel like that, when you live In that kind of hopelessness and despair, what's the use of even trying? He had no hope left. He didn't even bother to move. So this is the man that Jesus comes to, the man whose soul was probably as dead as his legs. Verse 6 again. When Jesus saw him and knew he had been ill for a long time, he asked him, Would you even like to get well? I can't, sir, the sick man said, for I have no one to put me into the pool when the water bubbles up. Someone else always gets there ahead of me. He was stuck. He couldn't even imagine a way out. Have you ever met anyone like that? Here I go back into my Slovakia stories again. I told you you'd get tired of them, but i want to keep using them. When we first went to Slovakia, we knew that we were going there to work with the Romani people. And I don't know if you know the story of the Romani people, but they've lived in Europe for centuries, and yet now they are the most excluded and most uh, marginalized minority group in Europe and in other places of the world. And when we went there, we went for this uh, vision visit first. Tanya and I went and spent a week. We visited with a lot of people and went to the church there. And like all, I think probably all missionaries, we had this idea that we were going to come and these people were going to be so excited that we were there. They would ask, they would say, I want to be educated. I want to learn. I want a better life for my children. Uh, I want to learn about this Jesus who offers good news to me. So that's what I thought that we were going into. But when we got there, things were a little different than we expected people who had lived their whole lives being pushed aside, people who were called names on the media, even on the news that the white people called them uh, derogatory names, people who were picked on by the police and security guards and stores just because they had dark skin, people who couldn't get a job because of their skin color or because they had not had the right background to have education to get that job, so they were forced to take low-paying jobs and rely on government funds to feed their families. This was longer than 38 years. This is for generations. These people have lived this way. Maybe some of these Roma people were desperate once, but now they are resigned. They'd been given a story about themselves, and they had accepted that story. Like this man, many of the Roma people are so used to this story that they can't even imagine what it would be like to be any different. I would ask the young kids, because Tanya and I worked with the kids uh, in the schools while we were there, and one of our favorite questions we would ask them every year is, what do you want to be? What are your dreams? And they had dreams just like kids that we talk about here. They want to play football, I want uh, soccer, they call football soccer. Um, they want to be a football player, or they want to be a policeman, or they want to be a teacher, or they want to be this or that. Those were the kids. When you ask the adults, what, were your, what are your dreams? What can you see different about your world? We just got blank stares back. They lived in that hopeless story for so long that they could not even imagine anything different. And when you're a missionary, when you're anything, that's a hard wall to run into. Uh, But we won't get into that for now. We're gonna keep on with the story. Sometimes we are a character in a story. Maybe it's a role that's been handed to us or a role that we've taken for ourselves. Sometimes it's both. And we've been in that story for so long that we can't imagine what it would be like for anything to be different, to have a different role or a different story. And the text says that Jesus saw this man. Jesus saw a man who needed physical healing. Yes, his legs didn't work, but Jesus also saw a man who needed a different story. Because Jesus saw the real story, the truth of this man. The truth was is that this man was a child of God, that God loved him and wanted him to be whole. He could be useful to society and the people around him. He could be a vital part of his community. Jesus saw the real person, the real man, and that is what Jesus wanted to restore. So in verse 8, we see Jesus told him, stand up, pick up your mat, and walk. In that moment, Jesus offered this man a choice. You can keep believing that story that you've been telling yourself, or you can stand up and choose a different story. I can imagine the man saying, what, are you serious? I've been like this for 38 years, I've tried everything, and now you're just telling me to stand up? But to his credit, the man chose to believe something different. He chose to stand up, and he walked, and he began a different story. But things are not so cut and dry here. I want this to be the end of the story. He's healed, he chooses a different story, he lives happily ever after. But that's not how real stories work, is it? Stop and think about this with me for just a moment. This was a big change for this man. It was not going to be an easy story, this new story that he was going to live in. Someone in his time who couldn't walk couldn't make a decent living, so this man probably had no useful job skills. He depended on others to get him where he needed to go. He didn't have to work. He probably survived on the charity of other people. That's why he was in the city. And when Jesus gives this man back his legs, suddenly he had a different life. Yes, he could walk, but he could also go to work. What's he going to do now? He could also get himself around the city instead of having to be carried by his friends. Jesus didn't give him a complete picture. He didn't put him, plop him complete into a whole new story with job skills and with a new friend set and a new way of doing things. Jesus just gave him a new start, and new starts can be very hard. That's why when we looked at this sign at the beginning, I thought, caution, enter at your own risk, because I'm guessing that the man understood, even as Jesus was offering him the use of his legs, that things were about to change, and that they were not going to be easier. We'd love to think that once we're healed, everything's going to be perfect. And when Jesus healed these people, or rose Lazarus from the dead, or the little girl from the dead, that they would go on to live happily ever after. But the truth is, life did not get easier for them just because of that. In fact, some ways, it might have even gotten much harder. It was not an easier story, but it was a new story, and a story in which he had been touched by Jesus, and that can make all the difference. So let's finish reading about this miracle and the way that people reacted to it. Verse 9, instantly the man was healed. He rolled up his sleeping mat and began walking. But, John says, there's always a big but, the miracle happened on the Sabbath. So the Jewish leaders objected. They said to the man who was cured, you can't work on the Sabbath. The law doesn't allow you to carry that sleeping mat. They had rules about Sabbath keeping, and this was a day, if you've been in Sunday school or you've heard these stories before of how the people of that time were so tied to the law and the things that they could not do on the Sabbath. It was supposed to be a day of rest, so they said, well, what does it mean to rest and not to work? So they came up with these rules. These are not rules; all rules that God had given them. These are rules that they made up themselves. You can't walk Only so far during a day, you can't carry anything with you. You can't prepare food. So they had to prepare it all the day before. All of these rules about working. And here's this man who's walking through the city streets with his bed mat rolled up under his arm. And the Pharisees stop him and say, "Uh, you're not supposed to be doing that. And so they said, Why are you doing that? And he replied, verse 11, the man who healed me told me, pick up your mat and walk. So he tossed it back on Jesus. Uh, He just said, this is what the guy told me to do. And they're like, who would tell you that? Who gives you the authority to do what you're doing? Who has the authority to tell you that you can work on the Sabbath? But the man didn't know because Jesus had just disappeared into the crowd. So this wasn't one of those stories where somebody comes begging to Jesus, and they know who he is. Jesus, son of David, heal me. Please fix my legs. Jesus came and found this guy, and he was like, do you want to be well? And the man was like, sure, I guess. And Jesus says, well, get up and walk. And he gets up and walks, and then he turns around, and he's like, wait a minute. Who, who, Who did that? He didn't even know who Jesus was. So the Pharisees the religious leaders came uh, and they wanted to know who it was but the man didn't know but Jesus found him later and that's where you find this detail this interesting thing and there's a whole other big why in this story that we don't have time to dwell on here but Jesus told him afterwards in the temple this is verse 14 now you are well now you are whole so stop sinning or something even worse may happen to you. All we can imagine here, this is not like anything else that Jesus says in the scripture. Uh, he does tell people to stop sinning, but it usually is because of some consequence that they have faced. And we can only imagine that maybe this man had become paralyzed. Uh, or maybe he was a, a drunk and he fell down the stairs and injured his legs or something like this. Jesus, we really don't know, but Jesus understood and knew what was going on and says, Stop sinning or something worse may happen to you than what's already happened. And so the man went and told the religious leaders that this was Jesus who had healed him. Now this is not the ending that I remembered or could have imagined for this story. It could have gone so differently. Jesus could have gone around and kept healing everybody else. But Jesus faded back into the crowd, didn't do anything else until he comes and finds the man later. And the man didn't fall on his face and thank Jesus. He didn't dance away praising God. His story had been completely changed. And so he just walks away. We don't know what his life was like after this. Did he really stop sinning? We don't know. Did he find a deeper healing than just his wounded legs? We don't know. And John doesn't tell us. But I think maybe John doesn't tell us on purpose. Because John would tell us that the sign means something different to everybody. The sign meant something to him. The sign meant something to the religious leaders. And the sign means something to us. To this man, this sign meant a new story, a new life, and all the challenges that came with that. To the religious leaders, this sign was a threat. They were literally threatened because we read in the verses later that they wanted to kill Jesus because of the way that he was acting. They could not imagine a story in which God's love and justice were more powerful than the rules that they lived by. That's what the sign meant for the man. That's what the sign meant for the religious leaders. But what can this sign mean for you and me? Maybe, like me, you've met people like this man, people who have lived in a story for so long that they don't even know what it would be like to be out of that story. Maybe they have a long-term illness or they live with chronic pain. Maybe they have some kind of mental condition or an emotional problem. Maybe they're a learning disability. Maybe they were the town drunk. Maybe they're just the dumb jock. Maybe they were the class clown. Maybe, just maybe, you and I can be that man sometimes. Maybe you are living in a story where you feel like you won't amount to anything. Maybe you are living in a story where something awful has happened to you and you don't think you can get past it. Maybe you're living in a story where someone has done something terrible to you and you don't believe that you could ever forgive them. Maybe you're living in a story with addiction and you're addicted to something and you don't think there's any way that you will ever get past it. Maybe you are living in a story where you know you need to make a change, but you just don't think you have the power to do it. Maybe you are living in a story where you can't be or feel like you can't be who you truly are because you feel like no one will love you. Maybe you're living in a story where the most useful days of your life are behind you and there's nothing really left for you to do. Maybe, just maybe, you and I are living in a story sometimes that we're stuck in, that someone else has given us or that we have given ourselves and we can't get out and we can't imagine what life would be like to be different. Maybe, just maybe, in a crowd like that, Jesus would come to me or to you because God sees the story you're living in right now and God knows the real story, that you are a child of God, that you are loved, that you are valuable. God's spirit lives in you and with God's help, things can be different. And maybe, just maybe, today's the day you can start living a different story.